Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 527 of Longbox Heroes. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. So I know I'd mentioned this to you before. Uh, I have my microphone at a different position these days. I don't have it directly in front of me. I have it kind of off to my right. Right. And uh, I don't know. I, I haven't noticed any discernible difference. I did notice mm-hmm. for the first time on At Odds this past week, there was like one part where my volume dipped out a little bit, but I'm not right. really sure what caused that. But I think having my microphone not directly in front of my face is going to like tune down on me being so loud, you know? Right, right. Now, as long as you're not all slobbering into it, we should be good. Right. So we got a little bit of a light <laughs> news week this week. Um, DC in the news. Um, how's that whole distribution thing working out for you? And... <laughs> Did they post my dream job? Could be. Could be. I don't know. I looked at the description. We'll get into that. Um, of course, digital books and sales. There are no conventions anymore, at the very least. I'm not even bother looking this time. Uh, we have a bunch of books to read. Of course, this is how the shift of the show goes, and there's not a ton of news. Uh, as we'll be discussing, uh, Immortal Hulk 39, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number one. And Batman, the three Jokers, number three. That'll be spoiler filled. I'll put, um, you know, spoiler notes kind of like skip from here to here. So you don't get that ruined on you. If you don't want that ruined on you. Right. Uh, What we're looking forward to coming out this week. uh, Todd's art attack and discussion of the first episode of season two of The Mandalorian. Right. So news again, light week. Uh, as we've been discussing here for the last several weeks on the show, was DC's recent shift um, from using both UCS and Lunar to just Lunar. Uh, And that's something that's not going to go through until 2021. Now, whether it was an accident or an accident on purpose, apparently last week, uh, to a bunch of different retailers, Lunar sent two weeks worth of books to some stores of their DC books. Right. So, you know, I know they're, uh, they hired new people. They got a new warehouse. They're doing all these sort of things, but you know, and it wasn't a ton of stores, but it was enough that, you know, books that are coming out this week were up on eBay in hand last week. Right. Which is, you know, the bane of other stores' existence because then they got to jump and this is a tough biz, you know what I mean, Joe? Uh-huh. So, I, I don't know. I just think, like, but it makes me wonder if it was the the people that, you know, they talked about them shipping books, like, late to. So, it was like, oh, is this the bonus we're going to give you t- your books two weeks early? I, I don't know. I can't follow it all. Yeah, like I said, it's it seems like it's an isolated incident. It happened once, you know. Um, hopefully, it won't happen again, especially once Lunar takes over like the full reins in 2021. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, that stinks for the retailer. And 
you know, and, and that's the other thing is, so, you know, however many retailers there are, how many DC books there are, but let's just say however many retailers they screwed up, Lunar, that is, and sent two weeks worth of books to, you know, a majority of those retailers are going to be, you know, um, you know, honest and sit on them for the week that they're supposed to and not sell them early. And, you know, unfortunately, there are those that aren't. And that's where the real problem lies, you know? Mm-hmm. And you just hope uh, those retailers wouldn't be cutting their own throats and posting those books to piracy sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shall see. Mm-hmm. So uh, the other thing that came out was... Um, DC, even though they uh, recently laid some folks off, uh, giving them until the end of this month to uh, clear out their desks, of course. Uh, They put up a job posting for a new position, head of digital and mobile project strategy. Ooh, sounds fancy. Um, Now, granted, it's... uh, you know, out of their Burbank offices. But, you know, I think this is a job that can be done remotely. You don't need to be in office to be a digital man. Right. You could screw that up from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so right off the rip uh, in the in the uh, the description of the job is you're the head of the digital mobile project stra- product strategy. Uh, and you are going to be the strategist behind the DC Universe Infinite, DCUI, and uh, digital product and portfolio for future properties, including DCComics.com, DC Free. Um, the role will be responsible for setting and executing the vision, business case, <laughs> and development for all DC digital pro- products. And then it gets into a lot of other things, your partnerships with the vice presidents and the sales teams, um, collaborating with, you know, all these other things. And it sounds like it's very too complicated. I just want to pick out that digital part, the part where I'm in charge of like what goes up on their digital sales and like that sort of thing. Right. 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 Um, but this seems like a real job and it seems like they're hiring one person to do what would be like a team's job. I don't know. It seems pretty easy. It's beep, boop, bop, push some buttons and you're good to go. Mm hmm. So I think you you would do this if you could just, like you said, carve out the digital stuff. Mm-hmm. And I could see you, like, you know, with your, your dicky on doing your Zoom meetings with DC. Like, like, you know, like you can't have half the story and the other half on the sale not there. And any tie-in issues, you need, like, just Crazy Joe on the Zoom meeting getting hot over, like, what they added in the sales. And I, I I think of all the qualifications that they have, I think I meet, like, of the four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve mm-hmm. um, qualifications, I think I meet three. Well, you're halfway there. You're halfway there. Math's not one of my qualifications. Mm-hmm. Um, eight years experience as a product, uh, product manager. <laughs> I don't have that. Right, a bachelor's degree, bachelor's degree or equivalent. I don't have that. Um, I'm a, I'm a bachelor. Uh huh. I think I have a degree in it. I've been doing it so long. Right. So this was to be my dream job, and my hopes were dashed. Sadly, as I actually read the entire qualifications and so forth of what you needed to do. So close, Joe. So close. So close. Just yeah, a this... smidge more, and you would have been there. 
this doesn't fill me with hope that this will be uh, handled properly. You know what I mean? Right, right. I think it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so that's really all we got for news. Like I said, it was a light week, huh? Yeah, heading into the end of the year. I don't know how much like news we're going to have. We're going to have to work to, to scrape up stuff, I have a feeling. Yeah, and like I said, with... um. You know, public uh, public gatherings and so forth being down. I don't think there's any conventions. No, I don't think so either. No, most everything is either digital or online. Nobody's really doing anything. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not branded, cancel until you like go into the actual link themselves. A lot of stuff, when you search them out, they initially say, it's like, oh, no, we're still on. And then when you click the link, it's like postponed forever. Oh, well. <laughs> right. In limbo. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of digital sales this week. Uh, a ton, a ton, a ton. Uh, horror stuff is still hanging in there with Dynamite still hanging on. Like I said, uh, IDW is having a sale on their Ninja Turtle stuff. Uh, Marvel is having sales on U.S. Agent, Venom Carnage, and Bounty Hunters and Jedi sale. That's someone someone probably got a bonus in their check of like, how could we do a Mandalorian related sale without saying the Mandalorian? What? No. DC is having a sale. It's just called DC Justice Sale. <laughs> uh, Justice League stuff. I think we're at three weeks in a row with uh, Batman Year One and Dark Knight Returns not being on sale. I think someone's listening to the show. Uh, is it? Does it just actually say just a sale? No, it's not just a sale. Because <laughs> that it's, would be great. Right. It's DC <laughs> Justice Sale. Oh, I thought it was just a sale. It would have been uh-huh. great. Uh, Dark Horse has uh, two sales. One Mass Effect video game, I guess. I'm not sure what that is. And uh, Magic Myths and Monsters sale. Okay. Uh, uh, IDW also has a sale on Judge Dredd stuff. Uh, Image is having two sales. One on Elephant Men and one uh, celebrating the creators of their upcoming title, Crossover. And Titan is having a sale on Doctor Who comics. Ooh. Yes. So Doctor Who's still doing what he's doing, huh? Yes, he is. He's infiltrating the comic world just to get you all riled up, Joe. Mm-hmm. I think I'll live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, hey, uh, also this is a good time to mention Soon to Be Named Network. Uh, soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com all the shows in our network like-minded individuals um whenever their podcasts come out and those podcasts include this show you're listening to long box heroes after dark puzzle warriors 3 profane arguments final wrestling place at odds with wrestling at wednesday night war or anytime any of those folks appear on any other shows uh they appear there. I know uh, DJ was recently on Cinema Vertigogo twice. I think he and Brett are going to be on the pod that dreaded sundown here sometime in the near future. Uh, but like I said, when those go up, you don't have to worry about trying to find their RSS feeds or links or whatever. Lord knows I try. Uh, they'll all be up at soon to be named network.com as were my recent appearances on five star match game and between the sheets. Uh, Todd, did you listen to uh, my retelling of the infamous fire chair incident? Oh, yes. I listened to all 34 hours of it. (laughs) 
It was only six hours and 40 minutes from beginning to end. And I wasn't on the entire show. I think there's maybe an hour where I'm not on, maybe an hour and a half. Right. But it probably would have felt like 34 hours if I listened to it. Uh, no, but like I said, if you're a wrestling person and you enjoy me, which is a very small niche of people, uh, definitely check those two out. And like I said, those are over at soon to be named network.com, of course. I like 50% of those two. <laughs> I'm not going to say and, which at this point. Oh, okay. And again, of course, be sure to check out our local retailer, Comic to the Green. Uh, in the show notes, we have a link to their Facebook page, um, you know, where he does a lot of his publicity of like what's coming out and stuff. He is getting a lot better at cross promoting everything between the Facebook and the other social media accounts. I think uh, Mighty Max is in charge of that. That's why. Oh. Okay. <laughs> So that being said, um, you know, obviously, if you just want to partake on a, and help out a local business, and it's a local business that's very near and dear to both Todd and I's heart, or if by some chance uh, the local shop in your area does not have a good subscription service, they keep messing up your pull list, uh, our store does not, and they'll ship those books anywhere to you. And I'm assuming anywhere um, I'm putting the onus on them to ship out of the country and overseas you know i don't have to do it that's true that's what you do you put the you know the onus on everybody else that's right uh so i guess let's get into talking about uh what we read this past week sure wow fast brisk pace on this show some would say it's a slender read of a show Todd. oh well not me but uh should i start with the last ronin joe the book yeah let's start there because i read that as well Right. Uh, story by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird and Tom Waltz, uh, but uh, art by layouts by Kevin Eastman and then finishes by a couple of other artists. Uh, basically, this is you know what I'm going to I'm going to give you the elevator pitch. This is uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Returns. Basically, it's the Dark Knight Returns for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the far future. Uh, three of the turtles have been killed. There's one left. We're not quite sure who he is. Um, he's on a tear to break into this uh, walled city, and we later find out that it's because it's run by uh, Oroku Saki's uh, grandson, the Shredder's grandson. Um, so who he believe we believe he's the one who's killed the other three turtles. So that's what the basic revenge thing is about. Um, and it's just this turtle trying to get into the city, trying to work its way around all the security and everything. And in it, he he's seeing the the ghosts or whatever in his mind of the other three turtles talking to him along the way. Um, to me, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Mirage run, even though I've read a little bit of the IDW run of turtles. So this seems like it's almost like a mix because at one point the turtle brings out all the sashes that they wore and they're different colors. So that's the IDW versions um, because the turtles wearing like uh, just a black, uh, mask so you can't tell which one he is and he has all the weapons so i was like oh that's cool but then they kind of worked in some of the like mirage stuff but then it they mention at one point that the eternal battle that they have because the idw version was that the turtles and splinter were rein were a reincarnated family that were mutated into the turtles and, and the rat. So I think they're working some in there in the end. I really don't care because it was a fun, a revenge story of, uh, you know, this turtle trying to get revenge. And then on top of it, maybe like we get the reveal of what 
turtle it is, but I'm not 100% sure that's true yet. We, we have to see. But uh, if it was, it was the last one that I was predicting. So I don't want to ah, say who okay. it is, but. So um, I'll tiptoe around this. Obviously, you have a much closer affinity to the turtles and their books and stuff. When you just said that whole thing about from the IDW books about them being some sort of reincarnated family. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Right. I could tell um, you more, but I don't think you need to. So No, no. So I thought this was a really good story. I did feel it was as good as a mix of what I read. And it's been a while since I read the IDW stuff. And I think everyone has a cursory knowledge because you've read those original Mirage comic Eastman and Laird stuff. Or they've been so distilled into popular culture. I think everyone is very familiar with them either way. Mm -hmm. uh, this felt like a good mix. Uh, I thought the art was really neat. Um, I felt the only, so up until the end where Todd mentions where this turtle that we have, this last turtle, of course, uh, has all four of the bandanas for the, the turtles, right? Himself mm -hmm. and the three brothers. Okay. I feel as though this book could have been in black and white. Do you right. think it would have been more effective in black and white? Now you're talking, I'm biased. I think it would have been way better in black and white because my, for the most part, my turtle run is in black and white. The 63 issues they did with Mirage. Then there was a volume two that Mirage did. It was like 13 issues. That one was in color. And then the third volume was image, which never mentioned Peter Laird because he hates it. And then there was a fourth volume that Peter Laird does on his own. That's a whole side thing that he was allowed to do 18 issues a year kind of stuff. I think that was in black and white. So most of my turtle, other than the IDW stuff that I read, I probably read around 40 issues of it. And then I kind of tapped out when they started putting out a thousand miniseries. It's like, here's, and they all can like weaved in and out of the story. So I'm 100% believe it would be better for me if it was in black and white, but I don't know how it would be for the masses in black and white. Gotcha. Now, as for who the last turtle is, the last Ronin, if you will, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll tread lightly. There were two that I knew it wouldn't be. Okay. And it wasn't either one of those. I had money on two. Yeah. I had money on two and it and it turned out to be like obviously it turned out to be neither of them. Like I said, it was literally the last one that I had in my mind. Oh, okay, okay. But so I like, will give I will give them credit throughout the story. Yeah. That this turtle was doing things that you could have attributed to any of the four. Right. And that was the other thing. They did a really good job of melding Masked. them all together. And obviously part of the melding together was that he still hears or sees or gets direction from the other three right and i feel like over the years like we're not sure exactly when it might have said but i forget when the when the turtles were killed that it could have learned any of the things that it knew right from the other three over that course of time so it was never like oh like that turtle wouldn't do that you know what i mean like so but i was just like i i really like i thought it was you know it's not a deep it's not a great story but i think it's a Good turtle story. Right. And I liked the stuff with uh, Oroko Saki's grandson being the one who's kind of like running this future tech city. Uh, still using a lot of the stuff that they did back in the day for the foot soldiers where it's like 
humans with like cybernetic parts and stuff. Right. Uh, I also like that the turtle's like, I'm coming to get you. And he says, I don't have the exact quote where he says, uh, you know, you know, I'm not selling my hands with you. You know, I'm just calling the shots. And I'm just going to send all these things at you. And there's like Mousers and like all these great throwbacks to like all the Ninja Turtle stuff that you love. I think even if you gave this to someone who hasn't read a Ninja Turtles comic in forever or only familiar with the cartoon or the movies or whatever else, I, I don't feel that this is too, too bogged down in any sort of real continuity that it's going to be a detriment to an old fan. I agree. The only thing that I'm worried about is uh, what's going on with Casey Jones. I always need to know what's going on with Casey Jones, though. I well, do think, go ahead. Well, sorry. the motorcycle that the turtle steals, uh, yep. isn't, doesn't that belong to someone who has the last name Jones? Yep. A young girl who has Jones and he, they had, uh, April and Casey. Well, I remember who had a daughter with Casey. Casey had a daughter that he, he had with somebody, whether it was April or with somebody else, they separated for a while because when, the uh when the there was a time jump in the turtles in the comic that they had a separation so i'm not sure who the the daughter is but there is casey does have a daughter in in one of the one of the you know timelines continuity so i'm wondering if that's who this is as soon as they said jones i'm like she gonna be putting on a hockey mask at some point in this so i'm looking forward to finding out right now the other thing is of course uh you say um, obviously the last page, they say who this turtle is, but then you're saying, well, maybe, well, I don't know. Could this all be a fever dream? You know what I mean? Like, like what if we get a swerve, but I'm hoping that is the reveal. Cause like you could do anything in a comic. I don't know if you know that Joe. So you can, right. but you know what I'm saying? Like, would they, would they do that? Would they swerve us? What if like the person who's like, I know who you are. And he's yeah. like, no, I'm not. I'm the other one. You don't know me that well. Uh, and again, obviously, you would know a little bit more than me in regards to these sort of things. Uh, but I feel as though the character that they have delivering this information, you know, is probably about as trustworthy and would know better than anyone else. I and obviously, the, the 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 turtle did not confirm or deny this is your cliffhanger, of course, before the next issue. Right, right. Um, just one last thing that kind of annoys me is they, in the issue issue itself, they kind of, it's it's an oversized comic. Uh, width wise, it's the width of a normal comic, but it's literally like I'm, I have the comics here. I'm trying to just get an idea. It's literally about an inch taller. Than a, than a comic maybe uh, a little wider too so it doesn't fit in a silver age back it does but the the board behind it not the backer doesn't go all the way up to the top of the comic so i'm like wondering if i need a golden age bag or actually even a, uh, a magazine size bag i don't like when they get cute with sizing of comics i'm just like i want it to fit in the, in the box with everything else don't don't tinker with sizes. So when I got it, I was a little thrown off. Like, oh, it's square bound oversized. So slightly, just slightly. So it's uh, smaller than like the DC black label stuff. Yes, but it's bigger than a regular comic. Right. And when I read it, I did not have gloves on, Joe, just so you know. 
So I say this only because I got the digital version of this. Mm-hmm. So I was not um, thrown off by any of the size issues. But I will say this, Todd. The digital version that I got includes all of the variant covers. So does the actual issue in the back. It has every cover of the oh. of the, the variants. Okay, so when I open up the digital copy, the co- the the digital copy, right? Mm-hmm. It was 120 pages. Oh, so you got see in the in the regular book, it's just like three pages of small version. So you get no. Like, so you get like 24 versions on each page. You were getting all the pages. Yes. As cover. Oh my god! So you thought you were reading a graphic novel when you so, started? And I'm like, what? I go, how big is this thing? So I scroll down. I'm like, okay, here's a variant. Here's the cover. Here's the inside cover. Here's the masthead. Here's this. Here's another cover. And another cover. And another cover. Todd, I think there's 65 variant covers on this. There might be. This is one of those where you could get a retailer could get an exclusive. You know what I mean? Uh, So I just want to say, this happened to me and I didn't realize it. When you made me read a book and I did and it had all the variant covers and it gave me a heart attack because it was a book scripted by the Rob and when I opened it up I'm like I have to read a, a book by the Rob that's 8,000 pages I was like supposed to <laughs> screaming at the sky and then it turned out to be it was mostly variant covers and I was like thank god all, all better than the last by the way especially when they were by the Rob that's all I'm gonna say <laughs> Oh, goodness. Uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. I'll definitely be checking out the next issue, right? Mm-hmm. Me too. All right. So, next book that I know we both read was Immortal Hulk number 39, written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. Um, we got the teaser, the spoiler at the end of the last issue, which had the Joe Bennett spoiler cover. And I know we had some, I wouldn't say disagreements, but maybe differences of opinion regarding the Alex Ross cover versus the non-Alex Ross covers. Mm-hmm. Nothing to poo-poo on the Alex Ross covers. I definitely think they're really nice. Um, you know, I do kind of pigeonhole him still in my head as a DC guy. But the last two issues have not only had Joe Bennett covers, and I really like Joe Bennett's art in this book, but they were both Joe Bennett's spoiler covers. <laughs> and, uh, you know... They certainly were spoiler covers. I'll say that. Okay. I didn't see the spoiler covers, so because I get the good Alex Ross ones. <laughs> so this is more of what's going on inside uh, the Hulk's mindscape. The leader has figured out a way to navigate through the green doors. Um, obviously, the Hulk, being that he had the most exposure to the gamma bomb radiation, he has the you know strongest connection, all those different Hulks and everything, and the leader takes the visage, the form, or the whatever of Banner's father, who's been, Mm -hmm. like, a recurring character in this run, but also throughout the entirety of, like, more recent um, Hulk and Bruce Banner stories, right? Right. And by using that visage is how he is able to get the jump on, or at least let the guard down on the Devil Hulk. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is the most body horrored issue in quite some time. Mm-hmm. And it more than made up for like the last several issues that had either little to no body horror going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out, or at least it looks like the only th- 
the only ones that are left in Banner's mindscape appear to be Joe Fixit and like the mindless childlike Hulk. Yep. And then as we find the Hulk kind of, or Bruce Banner outside of the mindscape, all chained up, maybe he's not doing so well himself. I 100% agree to all of that. Uh-huh. Um, basically, the flashback, like you say, with uh, Bruce's father and uh, the leader, that, like you said, how he is able to take the visage of Bruce Banner's father, like that whole two-page spread is like ridiculous especially like you like the father of bruce banner like you're supposed to hate him he's a child abuser he he beat his wife blah 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 like everything they hate but like when the leader takes him over and he's like pleading and he's being the best way to put it is engulfed into the 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 leader's body i'm like that's horrifying and even i know he's a bad person but i still kind of feel bad for him you know what i mean even though you're not supposed to so that's good storytelling but yeah the only thing that went through my mind on this is you know how like we had you know in avengers the movie we have like professor hulk it's like we're gonna bring that in like i just want to see the disney run company try to make immortal hulk the movie someday (laughs) and yeah that ain't happening man exactly i'm looking at this like in my mind, how great of a movie would Immortal Hulk be? Though it can't be done, not just for the gore, but because you have to set up Devil Hulk, uh, Joe Fix-It, you know, like all the other stuff that's come first. But if you could, and then it's like, we're going to green light that Immortal Hulk movie, how watered down would that be, Joe? Like well, that's. go ahead. how about we do this? Um, Disney Plus Max, I guess, because it would have to be like on late at night or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You do it as like a series. Oh, I I agree. I just don't ever think Disney would let that happen with this character because, like, these no. are the these are the watered not watered down characters, but these are the for children characters in the movies. Like, you're never gonna see this anyway shape i don't even see them making this as an animated movie (laughs) well so i'll okay so i get what you're saying there so we have wandavision on the docket right Mm -hmm. which is inspired by the tom king vision series from a couple years ago right that went to some dark places do you think WandaVision is going to go to anywhere near as dark of those places? Or do you think we're just going to kind of see some of the echoes of that story throughout to give the illusion that this is a deep and dark story? I think that the, the latter where it's like, you know, an illusion to it, but, but recently watching a Disney plus show um, that got not dark, like, dark dark but there was a couple of moments where i was like whew not what i thought um we'll get to that later um i think you could go a little bit further than i thought on disney plus but not much you know does that make any sense am i yes okay i so. would agree that immortal hulk is too far yes but still would be awesome still would be awesome and i would watch it that would be the thing that gets me to plunk down the full-time subscription non-cheapo version that I get through my Verizon plan and all that sort of jazz like I have now. 
to put down your hard-earned six ninety-nine or whatever. Whatever it is, right, right, right. Though I will admit, like, just to get back to the actual art in this, where you're talking about the body horror and stuff like that. Do you think? Do you think uh, Al Ewing laid off it a little bit when he knew that he wasn't going to have Joe Bennett and saved it? Like, it's like Joe's back. Time to time to up the gruesome because he does it so well. Yeah, you know, like it was like ah. Uh, like, yeah, well, I'll put a little gruesome in because people are expecting it, but nobody gruesomes it like, you know, Bennett. So, yeah. And that's the thing. The artist that he had, I'm sure, would be able to handle that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I get what you're saying, of course, that like that's that's kind of like Joe's calling card here in these books, huh? It, I think so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Immortal Hulk. We talk about it all the time because it's really good. Mm hmm. Um, is it tough to jump on at issue 39? Yes. Uh, should you go back and buy all the other issues and catch up with us? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one last book that we'll be discussing, and I'll say here, and there'll be the time code in the episode description as well. Um, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, Batman Three Jokers number three, uh, written by Jeff Johns and Jason Fabok. Mm-hmm. So... Um, this is not a Elseworlds book. This is not a time travely thing. This is <laughs> not whatever. Right. As we were told at the beginning, and it's been proven true. And you'll have to correct me or call me out on this. Was I right? In how well, this all shook out? You'll have to remind me because you know how it is in one ear and out the other sometimes. Right. So, um, obviously what we learned at the end of the previous issue and that we kind of get to fulfillment here is um, the, the three jokers that we're focused on here are the criminal, the comedian and the, the clown, the clown. And then each one of those three allegedly have some sort of connection to Batman, Barbara Gordon and Jason Todd. However, the real thing that's what's going on with this is the Joker apparently has been attempting to recreate the Joker accident on all sorts of other professional type people Mm -hmm. with poor results. The, the three that it worked on, not just in this story, but in the entire mythos of Batman are the comedian, the clown and the criminal. Right. So. Kind of. Kind of, right? So there are three of them. One is dead. Um, Another one gets away. Another one goes to jail. But this is to create a sort of confusion in, is this one of the new ones that the quote-unquote Joker's experiment worked on? Because all of these people now have different motivations, but the main Joker motivation was he had kidnapped Joe Chill from uh, uh, Arkham or Iron Heights or wherever the hell he is. Blackgate. Blackgate to turn him into the Joker. To give him the joke, be the Joker with meaning. Right. To be the Joker with meaning. Right. Even though Joe Joe Chill has had remorse for what he did. And he had been writing letters to Bruce Wayne for years that he never could send Mm -hmm. to show the remorse and the pain and the sadness for what he did and what he caused, right? Which is a little bit of pathos to add to the Joe Chill character. 
Right, because he realized that they were the only thing, the Waynes were the only thing keeping the darkness at bay in Gotham with their right. good deeds and stuff like that. And he felt bad and he didn't realize that uh, Bruce was there with them. He just wanted to take what they had. And then he saw the kid and he felt bad. And then he realized what he had actually done to Gotham. And re- basically he th- like kind of believes that, you know, because we're, at, we're in this dark Gotham because of me. And I'm sorry and blah, blah, blah. But the one thing that you did have wrong is two of the Jokers are dead, Joe. Okay, right. So well, I was getting there, right? Oh, I'm sorry, because you so did say... The, 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 thir- the, the, sec- the first one was killed in the first issue, and mm-hmm. then this one is killed during the whole scuffle of Bruce Batman trying to save Joe Chill. No, the Joker kills the other Joker. Oh, that's right, that's right. Right, so, and then in the end, he's like... The, the 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 one that's supposed to be the killing joke one, which you call the comedian. He was like, because he's kind of vague about it. He's like, did he's like the the criminal wanted this to be about you know Joe Chill making him the the what do you call it the the Joker that matters because I know you're Bruce Wayne and you have a close like he's your most traumatic memory because he killed your parents. I want you to make amends and by saving him and realizing what he's done, that is closure for you. And that makes me your biggest nemesis because technically Joe chill always was cause he created you. So now I got that out of the way and I ended up killing him and he kind of makes an, a, a, a thing where he goes, did the criminal make me or did I make the criminal? Cause there was always, always one and the two of the three jokers were made. So we weren't sure, but then towards the end, we get a definitive answer. But that was the Joker's plan all along was to be even bigger in Batman's world. Right. He wanted there to be a connection. Right. But then the other part that we get is from the killing joke. And that's where this kind of fits in, because we'll, we'll kind of get to where this is going to fit in going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get that Bruce knows... And has always known who the Joker is and what the Joker's name is. Mm-hmm. Just like the Joker that gets taken away knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. He essentially says, I know, I know all their names. But if that, if everyone knows their name, what's like, if everyone knows your names, what's the fun in that? Right. You might stop doing this and then you're out of my life. Right. So then we get the revelation at the end that not only does Bruce know his name, but also knows that from that killing joke story all those years ago, uh, the girlfriend, the wife, or the whatever it was survived, as did the child that she had. Right. It was all a ruse by the cops who told the comedian that his wife was dead because he was abusive and she left to start a whole new life. And Bruce knows where that is. And he's like, he's like, see, I'm not telling anybody because I don't want it ever to get out that like can you imagine finding out it'll that ruin their lives right finding out you're the wife and the son of the joker like and i i really like that ending i have no problem with that ending i have no problem tweaking an ending of one of the greatest books ever if you do something cool and i and i like i liked that but in overall in this book I loved things, I disliked things, and I only liked things. And I think the problem comes around that the original Killing Joke was 48 pages. The Three Jokers was three 48-page issues to a total of 144 pages. This story was too long. 
You could have trimmed so much out of this and had more impact over the course of it. Do you know what I'm saying? So I do like the ending. I don't know where you stand on that. I like the ending. I like the stuff with the Jokers that they did here to kind of, as you mentioned, like who created who when it comes to the Jokers, which one am I really with the other two being dead and all the other ones essentially being failed experiments. Does any of this stuff ever come back up again? Depends on whether or not Jeff Johns wants to do it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, cause he's, he's driving the boat at DC pretty much right now. He's there. He's their go-to writer and yeah. who's editing. Like, I don't even know anymore. You know, like killing joke was supposed to be a self-contained, like imaginary tale, quote unquote. Right. Right. Until it took off and then it became continuity. Right. So can a book like this with so much Batman saturation, can a book like this take off to the point that a piece of this becomes the official canon going forward. Can a piece of this specifically like does a writer who's not Jeff Johns decide let's explore this whole thing with the Joker, or the comedians wife and son, mm-hmm. or is this a thing that Jeff Johns essentially says, no baby, that's for me. That's not for you. That's a dangerous play though, because someday right. you're not the man. You know what I mean? Right. Like, while he's got stroke at DC, nobody else will touch that. But one someday the hot new whiz kid will come flying in and go, you know what story I want to do? The Joker's son. And I don't know, maybe Jeff Johns has a sequel to this down the line when they want to make even more money. You know what I mean? Like uh, the three, the three Jokers or the Jokers, my three sons. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, you know, like it, it could happen. So I, I lean towards no, but my heart says yes, because <laughs> there's money to be had. Mm-hmm. But I just do want to say a couple of things, uh, like other part of the story. I like the bit with Barbara and Jason at the end where uh, he leaves the note on the door and says, like, I think you're wrong. We could be a couple. Um, just let me know. And I could change. I'll never be the Red Hood again. I could just be Jason Um, but if you don't ever mention it again, you know, like I'll know it's not to be, and I'll never bring it up. And the note falls off the door and fun time cleaners cleans up the note. Um, I kind I was kind of interested in that, but the thing I don't like is that Bruce Wayne gets closer with closure with Joe chill. I, I just dislike that, that story plot. Yeah. Yeah, because do you remember, like, Joe Chill back in the day was the guy who killed the Waynes, and he always knew. But do you remember the, the way they went with Batman during Zero Hour? No, I don't, I don't recall. Okay, just asking, because I did, and I thought it was the way to go with Batman. During all that wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey Zero Hour, Batman had found out that from a girl who was doing drugs with Joe Chill at the time, that the night... Batman's parents were killed. Joe Chill did own the gun that killed the parents, but he sold the gun for smack and he was like wasted out of his mind on smack the night that the person killed the Waynes. So this person that Batman thought killed his parents all these years, he now had proof, I think because he saw it traveling through time, whatever, craziness, was like the man that I believe killed my parents all these years wasn't him now 
It could be anybody I ever take down. Um, every time I arrest a criminal, it, I could be taking the guy who killed my parents off the streets. And I really like that idea because I think once you break the circle with Joe Chill and he forgives him, he can't be back. That's the, that's the driving force. It's the forgiveness is like, why am I doing this? This is the thing that Batman always tries to do to heal his wards. It's like, you got to get over the person who killed your parents and he does it. So he, in my mind, he can't be Batman. That's my little thing that I'm hung up on. Do you know what I mean? Right. So I'm not that hung up on it, of course, because Joe Chill is not a, like he, he was the spark that lit the fuse. Mm -hmm. But he, at the end, like, you know, okay, yes, he killed the Waynes and Allie and everything else like that. But he's so inconsequential in the everyday storyline things of Batman and Gotham and the villains and everything else, so that he's the spark that lit the fuse. The fuse is lit, and it can't be unlit. It's just going forever as long as there is crime. So Joe Chill being the catalyst, I'm fine if he was never mentioned again or that he has this closure with Mm -hmm. him, that Bruce has this closure with him because he's been Batman for so long, he can't be anything but Batman. Okay. It's just my take. I don't know. I just, when I read that zero hour issues, I was like, this is such a great take on Batman. And it became my take on Batman after that. So kind of stuck with me. I don't know if you know this, Joe, we've been reading comics a long time. So I've seen, Uh, but I think since zero hour, hasn't DC changed the continuity of every character at least four times? Yes. But that's the thing. It was in limbo because we didn't like, I wasn't sure if Joe, like until this, I wasn't sure if Joe Chill was the definitive person to kill his parents. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So to me, because I haven't read every Batman story, this is the thing that contradicts the thing I've liked for 20 years. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it could have been contradicted sooner, and I missed it, yes. But mm-hmm. here we are, and I'm like, oh, it's not the thing that I liked anymore. I want, it, I want comics to be the way I like them, Joe. Touche. I'm with you. Yeah. You know, not that it's going to break me off Batman. I'm never going to read it again. It's just, these are just thoughts that are ricocheting around my brain, Joe. These are the things that I want them to be and never have them change, but they're always going to change, you know? Right, right. Faster and faster, it seems. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we read from this past week. Uh, Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get your books in trade. I have no funny joke to how you get your books this week, but either way, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is in the lead with two correct guesses over me. And let me look at your list here. Mm-hmm. And I'm rubbing my chin looking at things. Stroking the beard thusly. Mm-hmm. Is that Red Sonia issue the last Mark Russell issue? Red Sonia, his run ends at 24. Okay. okay. Apparently, that's what they've said. Apparently, allegedly, sure. Right. Is the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week crossover number one? It is crossover number one, Joe. All right. 
is it also the book you're looking forward to most this week? Uh, it is the book that I am most looking forward to coming out this week. Um, a lot of hype behind this book. Uh, written by Donnie Cates, art by Jeff Shaw, the team that was behind a bunch of stuff. Thanos and uh, some of the Guardians of the Galaxy book. Yep. Um, trying to think of what else he did, but yeah. I've done my best to kind of keep away from a lot of the hype around this book, but I do know that a book has a lot of hype when it has a lot of variant covers, and this has a lot of variant covers. Right, yeah. Is it is it as hyped as the last Ronin, Joe? No, no. It's not that hyped. It's only about eight or nine mm-hmm. uh, variant covers, but it's supposed to be a big superhero-y type thing in the Image uh, world, which image used to do hasn't done mm-hmm. in quite some time so i'm very interested to see how donny cates is going to pull it off uh i got faith in him that he could do it if anyone and i'm looking forward to it and i will 100 percent take your word on that because that's the most i've heard of the plot uh I, oh, okay. like like you i haven't looked it up at all you know what i mean gotcha. so i was like as you're like not that i care as you're rattling off i'm like oh okay that's what the that's kind of sort of maybe what the book's about. Yeah. I'm like you. I was like um uh, uh Jeff Shaw and uh who's the writer? I'm sorry. Um Donnie Cates. Donnie Cates, my brain blanked up there. I'm like they're doing a book together an image. I'll give it I'll give it 3 4 5 issues, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. So uh while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together. Uh, past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, 2017 Smash Sensation, Todd and Joe have issues. I have slacked a bit, unfortunately, on Rob's recaps. Um, I do have some time penciled in tomorrow, <laughs> Wednesday. Uh, there might be a twofer. I was inspired because I did see uh, a retailer out on the West Coast that I follow, Mark Sterling, was uh, tweeting about it. And I guess this is like the Checkmate crossover with Valiant episode that came out this week. Oh, boy. Yep, yep. And (laughs) I'll just say this. And again, this is no spoilers. I haven't listened to it yet. Um, I don't want to tip my hand or anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Come on. I'm having some problems here. But apparently the Rob says some stuff. In this, in regards to the sales of the Checkmate Red issue that he did. Right. And much like myself, uh, Mike Sterling, I said Mark Sterling, Mike Sterling, my apologies. Um, where the Rob is like, uh, you know, uh, or he says, oh, okay, Deathmate, so on and so forth. Uh, okay, uh, says that Rob was the best selling of the bunch, and he's like, hmm, as a retailer, I think I need to look that up. It was definitely the latest of the bunch. Oh boy. Um, and he says that I think Red was the only one of them that was, um, returnable, and he says, um, that I think that Deathmate Red was what instituted Diamond's return policy. Because of the lateness of the book. (laughs) And then another retailer comes in. uh, Just says, poking around some old sales things, the Valiant issues of Deathmate uh, had print runs of 70,000 versus Red only having a print run of 250,000. 
And Red was so late that the return window on late books through Diamond went from six to two. Look at Rob making his comic book history. He's, he's a trendsetter. He's a changer. He's a this. Um, with that being said, um, that kind of in, that, that like lit a fire under me. I'm like, oh, I really got to get caught up on these. I fell behind recording podcasts and reading comic books is kind of taking a lot out of me. Right. Doing 34 hours of podcasting <laughs> a week is going to kill you, Joe. And that's no, not even telling what you do on this show. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. All right. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store. It's one of the little tabs. I did try to clean up that little bar there underneath the underneath our banner. So things kind of like aren't cluttered as much, but it depends on how you're viewing the site either way, browsers, mobile or otherwise. Uh, in the store, you can get shirts and pins and stickers directly from us. Um, if you click on our T Public store, which I think is tpublic.com slash users slash longboxheroes.com, you can get even more items uh, from shirts to tapestries to pillows to cell phone covers to tablets with uh, our fancy logos, logos inspired by things said on After Dark, at odds with wrestling, final wrestling place, and starting on... Uh, when this show goes live Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's a 35% off the entire site. It looks as though for the next three Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, uh, or at the very least, like this week is like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Next week, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the week after that, it goes back to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That being said, uh, 35% off for those three block days there through the T Public Store. Check out our Patreon as well for as little as a dollar a month. You get two bonus shows from myself and Todd. One where we uh, talk about the films of Mel Brooks and we're getting to the very end of that. Uh, and we also have Previewing the Past, which is looking back 30 years ago this month uh, in that month's preview catalog just to kind of get a picture of what the comic book business and industry and world looked like then. Uh, if you go to the $5 level, you get those two shows two weeks before everybody else, plus you get After Dark before everyone else. Now, I tweeted it out this past week, um, and I'm just going to say, letting you, the listeners, know of this podcast. Uh, obviously, in a tweet, there's only so much information that you can give out. If you direct message me, Joe Sposto, on Twitter, and tell me you want to try out the Patreon, I will give you a month at the $5 level for free. Mm -hmm. um first come first serve i'm gonna give out a couple um there's a tweet that mentions it on the long box heroes account there's a tweet that i have as well but you're listening to this if you are currently at the dollar level and you want to go up to the five dollar level let's talk i'll give you the five dollar free for a month i'd like to give it to new folks just so they can give it a try i think if you try it you'll like it um I liberally ripped this off from the Our Vantage Point podcast, a wrestling podcast, where they did this. They had some success with it, so we're going to see if we have some success with it. If the tweet no longer exists on Longbox Heroes' Twitter account, then the offer is no longer good. Sounds like a sweet deal. I'm trying. I'm trying to build the brand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, another way that you can help building the brand without any extra money out of your pocket, we are in the throes of the holiday season. People say that the day after Halloween to Christmas is the Christmas season, so tis the season 
do all of your Christmas and holiday shopping through our Amazon click-through. Sits at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. Amazon calls it an advertising fee that they pay to us because we're telling you about this fantastic site you've never heard of called Amazon. I call it the thing that gives ta that, uh, oh my goodness. I call it the thing <laughs> that I give Todd at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. I kind of got tripped up here. It's a day. That's fine. Okay. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through. <laughs> Uh, this past week include somebody purchased Maybox Vitamin C Skin Care Moisture Cream. I've never looked younger. <laughs> somebody ordered uh, something called a SUP case in Unicorn Beetle Pro, which is a, a case for your Fitbit or your Fitbit knockoffs. That wasn't me. <laughs> somebody purchased... Um, a big giant tub of Purina brand tidy cat kitty litter. Ooh. Somebody purchased uh, a 75-ounce tub of Purex laundry detergent. <laughs> Somebody's dirty. Somebody purchased Crayola brand Silly Putty. Remember when Silly Putty was its own brand before Crayola bought it? I do. Right. Now, I don't believe in that screwing around putty. I mean business, so I use serious putty, Joe. <laughs> what would kids even use Silly Putty on? Like, it's the it's the toy of a thousand uses. <laughs> one, you smash it. The other one, you push it down on a family circus comic. And then that's it. <laughs> That's right. The Oh, it's my favorite Not Me comic uh, from Family Circus. I'll save it backwards forever. Oh. <sighs> and then somebody also purchased, uh, and I think this will be a nice segue, uh, a three-pack of the family-sized uh, Oreo Ritz and Honeymade Snacks variety pack uh you know single serving gimmicks so mm -hmm. uh you know usually we see a much bigger order for these but sometimes uh li mega power listener of the show uh dual scar Dwayne's wife needed to refill <laughs> the stock room at work and i'm sure that that's what this purchase was right and also i'd like to thank uh dual scar for sending me uh the uh of apes avengers books he, he sent me all four because he he said they were pun filled and uh, I can't wait to tear into those. And I'd like to to thank you. You know what I mean? Joe's jealous, completely jealous, by the way, because he's like, I get I get to read all the good puns, and he doesn't. So I know your heart's broken, Joe. But thank you again. That that was really nice. Can't wait to check those out. I think I actually already own those. Right. Well. So it's okay. No, I know. I'm joking. It was it was nice though. Thank you. Right. And again, we we appreciate our fans, of course. That's why we try to. You know, uh, the show's not, like, filled of ads. It's very self-sufficient. You know, back in the day, we had ads in the show. And <laughs> even when we did have ads during this iteration of the show, they were very far and few between. Mm -hmm. uh, very self-supported, self-reliant, uh, very DIY, very of the people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we do thank you, the listeners, of course. That being said, I am willing to sell out. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> so uh I, I hear uh the brand is looking for a comic book podcast oh okay the brand like the brand not the brand oh just say i don't need any more roughage in my diet yeah. 
How clearly can you say bro? Bro. That's not good enough. I'll work on it. You got to say it with a New York accent that no one in New York has ever had. But when you hear it, you're just like, oh, that's a New York accent. Oh, bro. All right. That's a little bit better. Okay. Hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. Rebecca's art sent in some character sketches, uh, which looks like a horned like elf kind of a deal. And I'm trying to think of what it reminds me of. Like, I don't know from a cartoon that I watched years ago, once again, and I can't, I can't put my, my, my finger on it. Do you know, do you know, do you know what I mean? Like this, especially with the mask on and the, and like the wings, it looks like something, but I can't place it. Are you thinking of an elf quest sort of thing? Are you thinking Maybe. of the old Dungeons and Dragons cartoon from when we were children? Something like that, but with more of like maybe a slight manga tilt. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, but it reminds me of something that I did see years ago, and my old brain is just not, you know, registering. So I like um, the way the pay. I, I like what Rebecca did. I like that it's almost like a style guide for the character. Mm-hmm. If you will, I like the full body shot of the character in an almost minimalistic sort of way that there's not the same detail on the horns as there is in the close-up shots as there is in the full body shot. And I do like the look of the character with the scarf up over its nose. Right. Because right, a, a, t- uh, a tale of the times mm-hmm. or otherwise. Right, because a lot of people don't put scarves over their nose. I don't know if you notice that. But anyway... Not these days. Well, well. anyway, let's not get into that. Right. We're doing a show here. Right. Uh, so I think that's it for the main show before we get into discussion of episode one of The Mandalorian. I believe so. All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening, bearing with us here in a kind of a little bit different episode. Not so much news, a little getting thrown off there. 527 Longbox Heroes. And then we're just going to take a pause here so we can get into some Mandalorian stuff. I'm taking a drink of water. No problem. So uh, we could just say that I like this episode and be done. Okay. Or well, is there more to discuss? I I really <laughs> like this episode. So. Okay. Uh, Mandalorian's back and with a vengeance. Um, if I do have any, uh, and I wouldn't say complaint, but any sort of nitpick about the episode mm-hmm. was that baby Yoda did, did much of nothing other than hiding. Right. Yes. But he, it reminded me of like scared Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. So it was okay. When uh, C-3PO they're... was telling the horror story. Yeah. So they're so adorable. Right. Now, another thing is, uh, obviously this came out on Friday. I did not get a chance to watch this until Saturday and I did a very I'm very proud of myself that I did a very good job of avoiding any sort of spoilers in regards to all of this right um but and suffice to say we're talking about it it's spoiler time right right so uh episode starts with a recap of season one um the crux of at least the beginning of the season is that uh Mando is going to attempt to bring the child back to his kind Mm-hmm. The child's kind, and he needs help to do so. And with all the other Mandalorians being taken care of, he needs to find another Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a mixed martial arts <laughs> battle between Gamorrean guards, which was right up my alley. That's right. 
Um, John Leguizamo in a, like a weird alien fat suit tells him that he's seen someone wearing Mandalorian armor on Tatooine. Right. So I've been on Tatooine. I ain't seen no one with this, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, no, 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 it's in Moss something. It's some, it's a, some other town or spaceport that like no one goes to. So right. Mando goes there looking for this person. And uh, I'll say this. This, um, this is where the hyper nerdism of my Star Trek. I almost said Star Trek. Jeez, I'm going to have to edit that out. I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry, everyone. Right. Star Wars uh, fandom comes in. Okay, so Mando walks into the bar, and the bartender there, uh, be- working working at the place. I go, oh my god, that's Queeway! <laughs> Before he even says anything, right? Because mm-hmm. again, that's like those three movies and like the bit of exta- expanded universe that I know uh, is from those and like playing the collectible card game that was out in the late nineties, right? Where they kind of you know, kind of really hammered home the names of those people from a Jabba's Palace or uh, Cantina or whatever it is, right? Right. So later, when um, Cobb Vanth comes in, the sheriff of the town, and says, oh, something, something, Queeway, I'm like, ah! I'm validated, (laughs) I'm vindicated. You know? It was Mm -hmm. one of those things. But it wasn't the sheriff of the town... um, was kind of stranded out in the middle of the Tatooine desert. Uh, he was picked up by some Jawas. They nursed him back to health. And what was it that he had on his person that was of value to them? I forget. Some kind of crystals. Some kind of crystals. So they're like, oh, the crystals will pay for some of the water and the food that they gave him. But also one of the things that they had hanging up inside of their sand crawler was Boba Fett's armor. Mm-hmm. shoot Boba Fett's armor after he got <laughs> eaten by the Sarlacc pit. The right. Jawas went and fished out his armor, and they're just hanging it up in their thing. Mm-hmm. So Cobb Vanth comes back with the armor, and just kind of the look and the feel of being a Mandalorian was enough to kind of, you know, give him the advantage over the Marauders in his town. And he's, you know, kind of cleaned up his town, but kind of kept them at a distance, specifically from the surrounding Tusken Raiders, but one of the biggest problems that was bothering both his townsfolk and the Tusken Raiders was the Kritus Dragon. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was the Kritus Dragon when they were like saying how long it was. Right. And I heard the noise that it made. And I'm like, that's the noise that Obi-Wan did to scare away the Tusken Raiders in Star Wars A New Hope. Right, and I think it's the Karat Dragon, but oh, whatever. I, I forget, like I said, it's like K-R-Y-A-T, I forget right, however Karat it's spelled, right? Right, not a problem, but right, I right. just... But you know how you're Queequay in it? I'm yeah. Karat in it, okay? All right, all right. Uh, so uh, Mando decides that he needs to get the people of the town together and the Tusken Raiders uh, to defeat the problem because uh, Cobb Vanth says, if you help me with this problem, I'll give you the armor. Right. And there's the episode. I think I summed everything up. Uh, I liked it a lot. I th- I loved it. Like, I've told, like, the, you, Todd, and our listening audience, you count as one person. Our listening audience counts as another person. This now brings the number of people that I've explained this episode in detail to since watching it on Saturday up to six. Okay. 
So I really liked it. I love this episode, right? I loved, 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 loved this episode. First of all, the guy who was playing Cobb Vanth. Timothy um, Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant, who played Sheriff Bullock in Deadwood. Um, just a little nerd thing in me, because I love Deadwood Western, one of the greatest Western TV shows ever made. Um, the the guy who's playing uh, a Queequay, was that? No, what was his name? Queeway. Queeway. I'm saying Queeway from... Uh, from uh, Moby Dick, but the bartender was the bartender from the TV show Deadwood in makeup. So I found that amusing. He, he, the, the character's name was Dan Doherty in the show. So I was like, they're like, oh yeah, it was a reunion between these two actors. So for me, that was a nice Easter egg. But just the whole episode, like, like I like the fact that as as he's telling the story of like what happened to Tatooine after the second Death Star exploded, he's like, it's not a qu- it's not a you know a quick power change and everything goes back to normal. He goes, you know, vacuum, you know, ha- nature hates a vacuum. And as soon as the, the 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 Empire left later that night, pirates came in, and you know I got to clean up this town. I'm like, that's really cool that they explain it. I also like that they give that they had in the first season and in the second season, they give the Tuscan Raiders like some more depth other than like people who just sit around and hit people with, with, you know, gaffy sticks and stuff like that. So I'm like, that's cool. Um, and then I love the fight with the dragon. Like, and I didn't notice that I was reading online that when you're watching it, it goes from, uh, what do you call it? Widescreen. I have the bars of black at the top and the bottom for the ratio. When the dragon explodes out, they change the ratio so that it fits the whole screen, if you know what I mean. And yes. it gives it more of a sim- cinematic epic feel. And I was like, this is so great. That being said, I was talking to the bassist the other day about this show. I was like, oh, I love it. He's like, of course you love it. It's it's a Western in space fighting tremors. Like, that's your that's your wheelhouse. And I was like, and he actually kind of went, and I, I found it amusing. He goes, and he goes, I just kind of wish that they would, get away from the Western aspect of it. And I'm like, Nope. I'm like, if you're waiting for that, that is not happening. I don't see Disney going, Oh, is like every week. It's kind of a Western story. They have had their jailbreak story. They've had like, you know, uh, a couple, a couple other tropes that they've used, but to think at any point, they're like, we have, we are making bank off this. We're going to change our formula. But I don't care because I love the formula and want to see more of it. Um, the only thing they did was they stunk it up at the end by having actual Boba Fett show up. The weakest of ever of any Star Wars character. I'm so anti. I wish Timothy da- uh, Timothy Oliphant kept the Boba Fett armor. I thought that would have been cooler. I'm done. With I think Boba Fett might be the most overrated. Okay. Character, I wouldn't say he's the weakest. He, he. Well, at least uh, Cobb got taken out the same way that Boba did from the fight by hitting his jetpack. You know, really, they should make those jetpacks less tamper-proof. Uh-huh. You just hit them, but uh, and this is where we we talked earlier in the show about like doing a, a an Immortal Hulk movie or whatever. Um, them just melting sand people with uh, dragon vomit. I was like, whoa, this got nasty pretty quick. Well, also, I'll say this, okay? Um, we see them get spewed acid upon, mm-hmm. but we don't see, like, a grisly, gruesome melting scene. Right, but in my it's, head, it's I'm led to, It's led to our imagination. 
Right, which is always good. It's their fungineers, Joe. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> um, but, so, okay. Um, just like you... And I, we're, we're in spoiler talk, so we can play a little bit more fast and loose, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you say you're sad that it's Boba Fett that shows up at the end, right? Right. Who's to say that's Boba Fett? Like, the Boba Fett that we saw in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I say it is, and I'll give you my reason why when you're done. All right. Who's to say that's not just another Django clone that's out there? Fair enough. But he the the way they do it is because Boba Fett was actually a kid of like a regular kind of hu- like a clone of a human because yep. it would be a human because the emperor hated aliens so he would have only made an, his army out of humans they only lived so long a, a the clone that was the army were at 30 years old already do you know what i'm trying to say i do so this is the kid all grown up i believe like this is you know years after the the Clone Wars and stuff, they'd all be in their 70s. So do you believe that this man that we saw at the end of the episode was Boba Fett crawling out of the Sarlacc pit? Not crawling out of the Sarlacc pit, but he's been... I believe this is the guy who was in season one that we only saw his boots. Okay. Because he had heard that there was a Mandalorian on Tatooine and he went to check it out. Remember when Mando like killed that person out in the, in the desert and somebody just chings up in boots and is like, Hey, like doesn't say anything. I believe that was, uh, Boba Fett got out and I believe he may have t- taken off. We're going to find out why the armor. I don't believe the Jawas went into the armor. I believe Boba Fett got out because if you go back to the remastered versions, don't we see a smoke trail fall fly out of the Sarlacc pit? In the remastered the 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 Greedo shot first movies, the ones that aren't real that don't exist, I guess. Right, except for the versions on Disney Plus. Um, I believe he got out and took the armor off. He was disgraced or something. I don't know because he got um, taken out by a blind guy. I'm tending to believe that. This may have been another child clone that he had made for him. As because as Django's payment for doing this for the Emperor in the movies that don't exist, mm-hmm. he's like, I want a son of my own. So a clone, right? Right, that would who's age to, naturally. Who's to say that there wasn't another one? Uh, I mean, you could write that in that there would be, but I always the way he, they they said it was like we made a billion, however, how many stormtroopers they made of Django. He's like, all he wanted was a kid. And to me, that means one, we made one that would grow naturally. Granted, you can rewrite anything. I think this is 100% the sad Boba Fett because he saw his daddy die. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what happens. I am too. Yeah. Like I said, this show is really good. I agree. And uh, that's all I can say about it. I think that wraps up the show. I agree. All right. I'm glad we're in agreement. Episode 527, Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. We'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! Boop!
You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.